Well, good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's sing this old hymn of the church. Just a little talk with Jesus makes it right.
We're going to ask you to remain standing this morning while uh, the ushers make their way this morning. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, we've got lots to pray for. We'll give you some of those requests here in just a few moments. Lots of things happening. And we want to pray over the offering this morning before our time of meet and greet together. Heavenly Father, Father, thank you for being God. Lord, we are in a season of thanksgiving. And Lord, we just need to say today, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are a faithful father and a faithful friend. Lord, I pray today, Lord, you would bless this offering that we're about to receive. Bless those that have to give and those that don't have to give. Lord, if there's someone here today who cannot give for whatever reason, Lord, I pray that you would bless them to the point that at some point they would be able to give back. God, for all the blessings you've bestowed upon them. Father, I pray everything that we collect and take in these offerings, tithes and offerings today, Lord, would be for the upbuilding and the advancement of the kingdom of God. And I pray, God, that every note that is played, every song that is sung, the message that is given today, God, would encourage the body of believers and let it be for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. And we will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. In the body of Christ, said, amen. 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 Will you bring your tithes and offerings at this time during our meet and greet? God bless you. church today. Before we do uh, have our folks coming to lead scripture and prayer, I do want to um, uh, give a couple uh, requests that are specific uh, for the moment um, that uh, people have brought to our attention. 
today. And I know you may not remember every one of these, and, and that's certainly understandable. Um, but uh, there are some folks here that really are that have shared with us that they really are, uh, their hearts are heavy uh, with various things. Um, uh, Sister Sherry has shared with us um, for the last week or so, um, and I failed to mention it last week, but um, her sister uh, has some, some job um, challenges that are on the horizon, and um, she's been asking us to pray that God would give um, clarity for Aaron uh, in terms of what move to make and what to do uh, in terms of her job, and, uh, and uh, we have seen over the last year or so, some of you that have had to deal with job crisis, that God can do the impossible, and so we know that he can do that for her as well. Um, Sister Brenda Burbage, uh, still the friend that she asked prayer for a, um, a while back that was on the uh, ventilator and it was um, they didn't think it was going to pull through. He is off the ventilator, but still is a, still there's a lot of stuff that needs to uh, take place for him and his family. Um, the Carlson family is not here today. Uh, their son, Mikey, um, got real sick last week. They thought first it was strep. It came back negative. Then they tested for COVID and flu. It came back negative, and so right now they, uh, over this week, um, they have been running all kinds of blood panels. They can't figure out what's wrong with the guy. He can't. He just is not retaining things. He's very sick. Uh, he he's dehydrated, etc. And they just can't figure out what's causing it. So um, she wanted us to uh, have prayer for him today as well. Uh, I know many of you are going to be traveling. Uh, I know Brother Jeff is in the Philippines uh, for a couple months uh, over there. Uh, Brother Jeff Davis. I know Sister Lila Faye and Brother W leave on Tuesday to go to Kentucky uh, to be traveling uh, there to spend some time with their family in the big city of Madisonville, a population of like 300. Um, and uh, I don't know how many is in there, but it's not big, y'all. Um, you have to make reservations at Patty's. I think she's the only restaurant in town, but they don't want everybody to show up at one time. I don't really know. Um, but they're going to be traveling quite uh, a bit of ways away, so pray for them. Uh, many of you may be traveling as well. Also, Ashley and David Harley were on their way to church this morning, but she got a call um, that her cousin um, and uh, uh, has uh, had an emergent situation. Um, I'm really not at liberty to go in much more detail than that, um, other than um, it, it needed immediately response to right then. And so they had to make a U-turn head to Columbia uh, to take care of that situation. And so she reached out and she said, please, please, please have the church pray. I don't know what it's going to be like when we get there. Please be praying. I said, we will. Um, so um, pray for them today uh, as well. Um, many folks still battling sicknesses and all kinds of things. Uh, I know um, Sister Laura May has her good days and bad days, but, but everybody's battling something it seems like right now. So uh, be, please be praying for them. Uh, for her and others as well. Uh, let me just make a couple of housekeeping items. Those that are going to be doing scripture and prayer, they can go ahead and be making their way this morning. Um, we want to make sure that you please silence your cell phones if possible. Um, if you got kids, please take them home with you. Uh, this is a holiday week. I'm not going to be at church very much this week, so they'll starve. So you might want to make sure your kids are picked up uh, as well. Uh, don't forget, there's a lot of stuff happening this week uh, on Tuesday will be our midweek service, not Wednesday. You show up on Wednesday, please pray. Just enjoy the time with you and God. But we won't be here. Um, so it'll be on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Um, there's a lot of different things. If you're leadership training, uh, church Christmas parties, all kinds of Christmas Eve services coming up. So don't forget this Tuesday night, 
as well. On Wednesday, November the 30th, that's not this Wednesday, but a week from Wednesday, we need your help. Uh, we are going to be getting back involved with the Celebrate the Seasons. Our church has been asked to help with putting a float in and re- representing our church with Celebrate the Seasons. So we need your help because we got this big float. We need people that can tape and put tool out and can wrap tracks. We're going to be giving out tracks of the gospel. we got to pack those in bags and have them in a box ready to go um, because there are certain rules we have to follow going through streets uh, in town. We can't just throw things on the street, so we have to have them properly um, put together. So next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, but November 30th, uh, we'll have that as well. And let me say to everybody, if it's your first time with us, thank you for visiting. We hope you feel right at home. Come again soon to all our online guests. We welcome you today as well. God bless you, and uh, let's worship the Lord this morning. Yes. Oh, Jennifer, I'm so sorry. Yes, as you can tell, Sister Jennifer is not here. Sister Jennifer's mother had to be taken to the ER today. She is not doing too well, and Brother uh, Sturdivant, which is Sister uh, Jennifer's dad, that was in the hospital, he is still real confused, so he's not able to drive, so Sister Jennifer right now has her hands full. That's why she's not here today. I'm so sorry I forgot that one as well, so let's make that one a priority as well. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Um, John chapter 15, reading the words of, of Jesus, starting with verse 9. He says, As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Ain't you glad that the Lord loves you? Praise the Lord. Let's love the Lord today in this service and give him honor and praise. Let's remember these needs, these requests as we pray. Father, again, we're thankful to be in your house. Thankful, Lord, for no greater love than that, Lord, that you laid down your life for men and women, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in our lives. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that You not only lay down your life, but, Lord, you also bring forth healing. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would touch and minister unto those that are sick in their bodies. Touch and minister to those that are traveling, Lord, throughout this week, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, that your hand be upon this congregation, Lord, your people. Father, we praise you today, Lord. We lift up holy hands and a holy heart, asking, Lord, that you would have your way in the lives of your people. And, Lord, we'd be careful to praise you and give you all honor and glory. Again, Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you are. Amen. Occasionally we get requests. Sister Barnes requested I sing the song along with her sister who's in Atlanta and who's watching us on live stream. So uh, we thank you so much for uh, your participation in our live stream service and uh, pray that uh, this song is uh, what the Lord would have and what you would have. I dream of a city called glory Yeah. Okay. 
cried holy the angels met me there they carried me from mansion to mansion and all the sights I saw I said, I want to say Jesus, the one who died for all. Then I bowed on my knees and cried, Holy, Holy. Glory, glory to the Son of God. As I entered the gates of that city, my loved ones knew me They took me down the streets of heaven. The scenes are too many to tell. I saw Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Mark, Luke, and Timothy.
it literally, the words are very simple to follow. It just says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. And, and I just, you know, I, we had some other ones that were picked, but I just want to go ahead and go to that the way the Spirit of the Lord is already moving this morning. And we just want to worship the Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. I just want to
pour the blood today it still flows from Calvary's cross so Lord let this be our anthem today I was a wretch I remembered who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time sin separated and the branch was far too wide but from the far side of the castle
Oh, with your heads lifted all over the house, can we just sing this a cappella together? So glory to His name. Singing glory to His name. There to my heart, there to my heart was the blood of Glory to the name. Glory to His name. Oh, let's sing it one more time. That sounds so pretty. Let's sing it now. Glory to His name. Oh, glory to Glory to the name of the Lord. We sing glory to His name. For there to my heart was the blood of so we sing glory to His name. Oh, can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the house of the Lord? Oh, glory to the name of the Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord. Father, we welcome you in this place. Father, we just want you to inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, as the blessings go up, Lord, let the, as the praises go up, let the blessings come down. God, inhabit, Lord, our worship. God, let it be a sweet aroma and incense to you today. God, we pray, God, this is the season of thanksgiving and the season of joyous celebration. So, God, let us be thankful that we serve not a dead God, but a living God, a soon-coming King God, Lord, who is Alpha and Omega, knows from the end, from the beginning. Lord, we thank you that you are a friend that sticks closer to a brother. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that's been applied to our hearts, that's gained us access to the portals of glory. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for all that you do for us each and every day. Lord, we worship you and we glorify the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And Father, as we get ready to segue into this moment of studying your word together, let our hearts be receptive and ready to hear what thus saith Almighty God. In Christ's holy and precious name we pray. And the people of God together said amen. 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 You may be seated briefly while you're turning in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter number 4. Once you have Ephesians chapter 4, you can stand for the reading of God's word, but... Ephesians chapter number 4, I did forget one uh, item earlier I forgot to mention. Brother Stan today is not doing very well. Uh, it, I noticed that when I was playing and I just it slipped my mind. But Brother Stan is having some issues with his back, um, still with some his uh, uh, equilibrium at times, but his back has been giving him a royal fit. And so you see Miss Brenda is here today, but Brother Stan is not and uh, that is where he is today, so he needs a touch in body as well. Once you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse number 7. And we're going to read down to verse uh, number uh, 16 there. It won't take but for a moment to read through there. We'll read them quickly together. They will be on, my, on the screen to my right and to my left for you to follow along. Let's read the Word of the Lord together. But to each of us, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led every captivity captive, and he gave gifts to man, talking about spiritual giftedness. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who had descended into the, is the one who ascended far above the heavens, talking about Jesus, that he might fill all things. Here's some of the gifts he gave. And he himself gave some to be apostles, 
prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Look at what their job was to do. For the equipping of the saints, not just sinners. Saints are church people. That's God's people. They already know Jesus. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Who's the body of Christ? The church. The body of Christ. So that we all come to unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Meaning we come together understanding what we believe. The Son of God to perfect to a perfect man to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men or cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth. Somebody say the truth. The truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, that's still us, joint together, knitted together, that's still us, by what every joint supplies. Do you know we're not all supposed to do the same thing? We all bring a piece to the puzzle to this thing called the family of God. According to the effective working by which every part does its part, not I do somebody else's job, I let them do their job and I do what God called me to do. Everyone does its own part, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What the Apostle Paul is saying is we're in this thing together, like it or not, we're in it together. We're in this thing together. So this morning I want to continue. We've been on a assignment series. You know that our vision for 2020. Two and 23 is to reach, disciple, and pray one person, family, and community at a time. And we've been on a journey called assignments. We've been spelling out the word finish, finding people, investing, all those different things. Today we're going to talk about the letter I, the second letter I for investing. I want to pose a question. What if we were not here? What if Santee Circle, Church of God, were not here? What would happen? What would happen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, help me to preach the unadulterated word of God to the people of God. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary and help me to decree and declare only what thus saith the word of Almighty God. Father, I pray you would open eyes, hearts, and ears to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. God, you don't let me be heard, but you be seen and glorified. Lord, I pray that we don't just be hearers of the word, but doers there likewise. Let us receive this word, whether it's with gladness whether it's with chastisement, whether it is a word of challenge, let us take this word and let it be used to the upbuilding of the kingdom of God and let us, let this word resonate with us in our lives and we will forever commit and glorify the name of Jesus Christ. In Christ's name we pray and ask. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. We've been on a journey and a series that have been focused on this idea called Assignments. We've been spending time spelling the word finish, F-I-N-I-S-H. We talked about the letter F a couple weeks ago was finding the lost people, reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. We looked at the letter I, the first letter I, which was for prayer, which meant interset, we called interceding or intercession, praying for others, that God called us to be people of prayer. Then we looked at the letter N, networking, and how it, it helps when we network together whether it's with other churches or parachurch organizations we can't reach the whole world that's where there are missionaries that's where there are evangelists we all are in this thing together to advance the kingdom gospel the message of Jesus Christ and so today we're going to pick up that next letter the letter I 
which today we're going to be talking about the letter invest or the word invest with the letter I. Because it's okay, it's great to find lost people. It's great to pray for them and pray for others. It's great to network with people. But as the Apostle Paul just displayed to us in Ephesians and in his writing to the church at Ephesus, we also have responsibility in this thing too. It's not just evangelists, it's not just pastors, it's just not teachers, it's just not Sunday school directors, it's Christian education directors. We all, the Bible said God had plans for us to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. God has a plan for everybody. We're all in this thing together. Now everybody may not be the preacher, thank God. Some days I don't want to be him. Honest confession is good for the soul. There are days I'm thinking I would love to be a car salesman or something else. You know, a good one, not a lying one, a good one. You know, one that I'm honest when I tell you what I'm going to do. You know, preachers and politicians, they run a fine line sometimes. You better watch them. It's a close race. But the reality of it is not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody's an evangelist. Not everybody's a teacher. Not every, there's a various spiritual gifts or spiritual disciplines out there. But a pastor can't reach the world. He can preach the gospel, he can compel them, he can do it on live stream, he can do it inside this building, but there's still a, call, a clarion call, if you will, on the pew as well to do the kingdom work. It's not always on the preachers or the teachers. We all play a part in this journey of faith that we call the Christian walk. So we're going to talk about the investment. The Barna group, a big group that does a lot of statistical analysis, did a study and found that 51% of church attenders do not know what the Great Commission is. They can't tell you what it is. They go to church. <laughs> We're not talking about sinners, y'all. We're talking about people that come to church. They don't know the Great Commission. And they so Barna decided they'd help them out a little bit. So Barna picked five scriptures and put a multiple choice. Once they did a multiple choice, out of the multiple choice, 75% of them were able to guess what the Great Commission was, but when asked what did it mean, they said, I don't know, it just sounds like something that it would fit. They didn't even know what it meant. They go to church. We're not talking about the guy at Walmart who never been to church. We're talking about people that come to church every week. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, the Apostle Paul in chapter 4 we just read, talked about the importance of spiritual giftedness and what some of them are. He illuminates the purpose or the disbursement of these gifts by stating it is for the equipping of the saints, that's church people, edifying the body of Christ, that's the church, and fulfilling the missional mandate of Christ to reach the world. That's all the people who are not in church today. So he covered them all. While there are great television programs, preachers, teachers, and law, along with other mediums of sharing God's glorious message, the importance and weight of the assignment of investing is placed on the local church, not on the bigger parachurch organizations. We all have a part to play. I want to reveal to you this morning for a few moments why I think we as the body of Christ can impact and influence and invest in those around us to create a greater harvest for the kingdom of God. The word invest was originally used as an economic term that literally means to commit money in order to earn financial return, to make use for as for future benefits or advantages, or to involve or engage in an emotional experience. So let me tell you a couple things before we jump right into the crux of this message. Nearly 30 years ago, in 1993, God called a group of believers to plant a church 
in the heart of Berkeley County, South Carolina. After much prayer and fasting and the desire to win many souls for Jesus Christ, these believers gathered together and invested their time, talents, and resources to begin the inception of what was then called Monk's Corner Church of God that currently is known as Santee Circle Church of God. They believed God would send a harvest and let them be a beacon of light of hope in their communities. With this historical context in mind, as I put this sermon together with the Lord's help, two questions immediately became prevalent in my mind. Number one was this. If our church burned down today, slapped to the ground, would anybody in this community be affected besides us that go here? Would anybody? I don't, I, I'm not asking them an answer. I'm just simply rhetorically asking that question. If we burnt down to the ground, we would be affected, but would the community even know or care? Would we be missed or lost? Would we be missed in the community unnoticed and faith? And maybe you say, yes, pastor, we would. That's great. But what if we could do better? What if we could do better than what we're doing? You say, oh, pastor, we're doing a pretty good job. Yes, we are, but everything can be better. Everything can be a little bit better. Ephesians 4 and 16, I read it to you, the whole body is joined together, knitted together by what every member or joint member supplies according to the work that it does, it shares together. We do this thing together. It's like a puzzle piece. It all fits together. I don't know about you, I do, when I was a kid, I still like to, I like to do puzzles. Uh, I, I enjoy puzzles. I don't necessarily want to do the 5,000 ones. But, you know, 25 pieces is pretty good. I'm good with those. Uh, 50 stretches my horizon a little bit, but I can deal with 50. You start getting to triple digits, yeah, it's getting, that's a little much for me. Give me that 25 or less. I can do that pretty quickly. Nothing irks me more than when I get the picture almost finished and there's one piece missing. And it's never the piece that's the corner piece that's just like a blade of grass. It's like the center of the face of whatever I'm doing. It's like I've got the little dog and the dog's eyes and nose is missing. It's like i got this headless, faceless dog. It's the only piece missing. The whole puzzle is, in essence, ruined because one piece is not there. I read one time that a sign that said, that said, had the letter CH, CH. And a space in the middle. And it says, do you know what's missing in this word? You are. You are. See, if I take C-H and C-H, but I take the U and R out of it, it's not a church. It's just, there's nothing to it. What becomes the church is when you and I are together. When you and I become R, we together, we make the church. The reality of it is, Everybody can't be the preacher. If you want to be, let's talk. I will be glad to talk to you about that job. Not everybody can be a Sunday school teacher. If you want that job, we got a lot of vacancies. Come, Praise God, come on, sign up. But we need people who don't mind cooking hot dogs from time to time. Maybe they don't teach, but they're a grill master, master machine. Let them cook hot dogs. We need people who like to wash dishes after big festivals and events because we don't want bugs in the church. Yes, we pay for extermination, but we don't want to use them more than we have to. You know, we, don't, we need people who do maintenance and other things. Every part of the body of Christ. And I've said this before. 
It may not seem like a lot. We have a lot of interchangeable parts on the stage in the worship team, and thank God everybody can do multiple things. But you do realize that everyone's a little bit different. Sister Carol and I have this conversation all the time. I'm always trying to boycott the piano and try to sit in you know a chair over there and just enjoy life. And she's like, no, that's not, you're not doing that. I'll quit when you quit. And then we have no piano player, and that just gets a mess and all that kind of stuff. And and But Sister Carol and our styles are drastically different. She plays wonderful and beautiful. And when she plays, when I have to be out of town for whatever reason, church goes on and it's great. I come back in town, she says, don't ever do that again. Don't you do it. It's just not the same. Every part means something. Here's what I want to do, and this is this might I might go out on a limb and it's going to break, and if it does, I'm just I already got one broke toe. Let's break the rest of them. If you have been a part of this church, possibly we'll see. If not, we'll keep going down. If you were a part of this church from its inception in 1993 or somewhere in that 1993, will you stand? If you were ever here when it got started, is there anybody that when it got started? Just I was about to say I know we should have one, so we have one. Okay, so let's do this. So that's been that's been almost 30. If you've been here over 20 years, a part of this family of faith, will you stand up? If you've been here over 20 years. Okay, let me say to all of you that are standing, thank you. Because if it weren't for you, we wouldn't be here. You can be seated. If it weren't for you, there would not be a church here today. There wouldn't be. I remember in 1994, I was six years old. It was the first Sunday in November. My dad was sent to an assignment to a little small rural community called Ridgeville, South Carolina, to become a pastor. In 1994-1995, he started his journey, if you will, of faith and pastoral ministry. There were six people in the building. It didn't, take, it, didn't, it didn't take us a long time to count how many was at church that Sunday. We were done before they even got to the first chorus. We already knew how many was at church. You didn't have a hard time figuring out who you need to check on either because if there's only five people, you know who the sixth person that was missing. It wasn't hard to do follow-up ministry either. There were people that were there during its inception days and things like that. But my point in saying all that is every church has a history. Somebody started it. Somebody was brought it from the ground up. Even if they weren't the founding pastor, maybe they took the church where no one else would and they put it back on a map that literally, or maybe they... They planted a church in the community that, that that particular denomination didn't even have in that community, and or whatever. But but every part is essential. Now people come and go, and things change. Absolutely, I understand that. But for those that just stood, that were 20 years plus, or for some of the inception uh, incepting members of the church, you know how many tithe dollars and time, and chicken dinners or hot dogs or events they've had to work. In 20 plus years, cookouts or cookouts or homecoming meals they've had to cook for or singings they had to stay late for. Or what, you know how many, how many hours of invested time and energies and resources they put in to keep this thing going? There were days that the church was probably in the 20s and 30s. There were days when it was in the 80s and 90s. There were days when it went back to 40. There were days when it went back to 60. There were days when it went back to 20. There were days when it went back to 70. They rode the wave, the ups, the downs, and yet they still remain true so that we could sit here today and go, we still have a place to come to church. still have a place. Now, I want to say this before I jump into the crux of this message. Everything I say today, do not get mad at me, please. <laughs> these are all scriptural based. I did not make these up. These are right from the Word of God. So you and God would have to have this discussion should you don't 
agree or disagree with it. You and God can talk about this. I'm going to give you some scriptures that back these up so you don't think I just sat in my office this week and decided I thought of these great ideas. These are God's mandated things in scripture. And I'm very rarely do I ever, in my tenure, do I ever really feel burdened per se in a message that I'm like, you know what, God, I, it's just a tough one. But today, it's not going to probably make you feel always the best. But sometimes, I learned a long time ago, when my parents did it, I didn't understand it, but now that I'm a parent, I get it. Sometimes I have to do things regarding my child that I may not always enjoy, but they're necessary for him to be better in life down the road. And my assignment today is not to make you feel good this morning. I would hope, hopefully next Sunday, I'll make you feel great. But my assignment today is not to make you feel good today. It is me to be a mouthpiece of God as if God were speaking to you to say, I'm trying to help you be better down the road. Okay? Let me set up that today. So I say all that to say this. Number one, how do we, how do, if, if, how do we invest? If, if Columbia, I mean, if Santee Circle, Church of God was not here, what would happen? What would happen to us if we obliterated off the map? With the community notice, how do we keep it going? Well, I'm going to tell you how people like the, the James family and Sister Beulah and others. I'm going to tell you how they have kept this church, if you will, going over the, the course of time for the last 20 plus years, 30, almost 30 years for people like Sister Beulah. I'm going to tell you how. One of those is they gave money. Now, I don't ever really preach stewardship, but today I'm just going to tell you it's biblical. You don't have to like it. I am so sorry that you and I may not see eye to eye, but if you don't tithe, you're in direct opposition to the Word of God, point, point blank. Now, I am not trying to create mass pandemonium and offend my brother or sister today, but I'm telling you, Jesus said sometimes you come with a sword, you're going to have to split families. Jesus said, look, I, sometimes I'm a peace bearer, but sometimes I have to divide things too. The reality of it is, and I'm going to give you scripture to back this up, it, God does not work on tips. I told you it wasn't going to be good. It got real quiet. I knew I wasn't going to have a Pentecostal church today. I knew that. I prepared myself. I ate my bowl of cereal to make sure I felt better about myself today. After Moses had led the Israelites out of the Egyptian captivity, he writes in the book of law, mainly in the book of Leviticus, the guidelines which they were to follow. Leviticus 27 and verse 30 says this, And all the tithe... Of the land, whether it be of seed of the land, fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Not mine, God's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wants it, he has to redeem it by adding one-fifth. And concerning the tithe of the herd or flock, whatever passes the rod, the tenth shall belong to the Lord. What he was saying is that the tithe of the land, whether seed or fruit, it belongs to the Lord. Let me help you. Your money does not belong to you. You might work for a living. You might make an income. But if God didn't give you faculties to think, hands that work, feet that work, and the ability to drive, you wouldn't be making that kind of money to live where you live, to buy what you buy, to drive what you drive, to dress in what you dress in. Everything you have came from God and God alone, and He deserves to be credited for all that He has blessed us with. God only asks for 10%, and He's giving you 90%. That's not too much to ask from God. People say, well, preacher's going on preaching on tithing. Well, let me help you something. You like to have lights on at your house. I don't know anybody that came to church this morning and said, Pastor, 
I decide I'm going to call Berkeley Electric Co-op. I don't want electricity anymore. It's just not for me. I don't want heat, and I don't want air conditioning in the summers of South Carolina. They just are ungodly. I just don't want those things. I don't know anybody that has said that today. Well, you come to church, you like it for us to have heat when it's cold, air when it's hot, and lights to turn on. Because if we didn't, you know what would happen? You wouldn't come, and I know that. Don't be self-righteous. Now half of you wouldn't show up. You know why? Because if your lights weren't working, that means you couldn't fix your hair this morning. You couldn't blow dry it. You couldn't put your makeup on. You couldn't curl your hair. You couldn't brush it. You couldn't have took a shower. You couldn't have... You wouldn't have showed up because you'd have looked like a whodunit. You know it. Some folks come to church looking like a whodunit anyway, and they had lights. That should tell you how bad it would be. Hello, preacher. We like things. We like amenities. We like... At our house, if we want that for our house, then why should we not want the same good things for God's house? Why would we? You know what? Now, Lord help me here. I, I, don't, I haven't been to everybody's house, so I, I, I can't speak for everybody. But the mass majority of you, I have at least seen where you live or cer, cer, certainly have been uh, heard about how, you know, where you live and things like that. I don't know of anybody in this house that loves to live in filth. I don't know anybody in this house that likes to leave four, five, six-day-old trash in the yard, in the house, just sitting there for it to smell. But yet we'll bypass a trash can in the house of God waiting for somebody else to do it because it's somebody else's job when it's like rotten chicken in there from the homecoming, but nobody else volunteers to want to take it because it ain't their job. We wouldn't do it at our house. We see, we see debris on the front porch or we see uh, the, the toilet papers on the floor in the bathroom because the little kid went in there and didn't properly use it and it's strung all over there. We just go, oh, well, you know what? We probably should tell the pastor to call the custodian to come fix it or whatever else. We don't do that in our house. You don't, you know, you don't call your guest in and say, hey, will y'all come in here and fix my bathroom for me because, you know, it's not looking the way I want it to look. You take care of it. This is God's house. If we are a part of God's family, it is our responsibility to take care of the house of God. prophet Malachi took it a step further. You thought Moses was bad. <laughs> Moses was an easy guy compared to Malachi. Let me tell you what Malachi told him. He starts out in Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 with this question. I mean, don't you love his brassiness? I wish I had the spirit of Malachi. I wish that I could say things and not be afraid of what would happen to me next. Malachi had the ability to say it and be like, I dare you to do something to me. He was a good, I mean, he, that's, that's courage. That's good stuff. Sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I had that. This is what he said. He looks to the people of God. He said, will you rob God? I mean, that's, you better hope you heard from God that Sunday when you preach like that. Because you may not have a job next Sunday if you keep doing that way. He said, will you, have robbed, will you rob God? Then he answers his own question. He said, you have robbed him. Do you say, in what way have we robbed you, Lord? And you know what the response was? In your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed God, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse of the Lord, that there may be food in my house, that they try me in this, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will, once you bring them, once you bring, not before, once you bring the tithes, he says, once you bring them into my house, says the Lord, if will not I open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll destroy the fruits of the ground. Neither the vine shall fail, says the Lord, and all the nations will call you blessed, for I will be delightful in your land. You cannot outgive God himself. You just can't do it. You can't do it. 
You can't outgive God. I've got gave countless stories before, and I don't have time to do it today. But I'm telling you, you cannot. You give God it. I promise you, He'll press it down, shake it together. Your vats will run over. You will never go without if you give it to God first. You won't go without. God will provide all of my needs. He'll supply all of my needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. The Bible said, "I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread." All throughout Scripture, God does not abandon His children. You trust Him with your ten percent; He'll make that ninety percent go a whole lot further than if you had all hundred percent. I'm telling you, I've watched people live on a hundred percent. They're nickel and diamond to death. They've had all their money. They're trying to figure out how to pay the light bill, the phone bill, this, that, and the other. I've had stewardship campaigns talk to them, and they say, Pastor, I can't do it. I'm, I'm living on everything I make right now. If I give God ten dollars out of my hundred dollars, I give God a dollar out of my ten, or I give God a hundred out of my thousand, Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to live. And I say, Well, let's do this. How about for three months? Let's just go on a journey. And if you can't do it, I'll pay the bills that's missing for you. And they said, You really do that? I'll take that challenge. I said, Yes, I will. You want? Let me tell you church what happened every time all of a sudden they got on a budget they started figuring out things they gave to God and somehow they said but pastor my bills keep coming in and I keep having money in the bank I'm keeping paying they're like it's like I didn't even have that money I was missing you know why because when you keep it all it's like holding a bag full of whole sand with holes in it it just goes out your hand but when you give it to God God will make everything else work out for his glory he'll work it all out Listen, I'm telling you, in my lifetime, you you know, I, I can say this from experience. Look, there's things at my age, at 34 years old, there's things I shouldn't own. There are things I shouldn't be able to afford and things like that. And I couldn't afford it, but it had not been for God that when I gave to him, he opened up a ministry door for me to go preach somewhere or he sent the check in the mail when I needed it. I'm telling you, there have been times when I've been in my ministry and things like that. I was like, okay, God, there's a big bill and it's getting real close, but I went ahead and paid my tithes, not really sure what the back end was going to look like. And all of a sudden, somebody randomly just said, I was thinking about you. Here's a $50 bill. I just wanted to bless you, Pastor. I mailed a $100 check. I just wanted you to sow into your ministry. I'm telling you, you cannot outgive God. If you give it to God, He will supply all your needs according to the riches of Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the tithe or the 10% is of the first fruits, not your leftover fruit. God does not want your leftovers. He wants the first. The, the, the old adage says that he's either going to be Lord of it all or he's not going to be Lord at all. There is no give God leftovers. If you can't trust him with the 10% from off the top, then you don't trust him at all. Amen. You say, oh, pastor, I have faith. I'm going to say this and I'm going to run. If you don't tithe, you don't have faith. So don't come to my office. If you come to my office and say, Pastor, I want you to pray the prayer of faith for my little Johnny, my little Sally. Don't be surprised if one day I say, Dan, do you happen to pay tithes to the church? And you go, why, you only going to pray for me? I'm saying, no, I just need to know where your faith level is with mine. Because I'm not going to attach my faith. I'm not carrying the load for both of us. We're going to carry this. The Bible said that it was, what did Paul say? We're in this thing together for the equipping of each other. I'm here to tell you, I'm not, I'm not piggybacking. And you can say, you're a horrible pastor. Well, you think whatever you want to. It is not my job to carry every one of your burdens all by myself. We are in this thing together. You carry some, I carry some, we carry some together. It is not one person's responsibility to drag your behind all the way to heaven. It's your responsibility to get to heaven. It's my responsibility to get to heaven. We can do this thing together, but nobody Nobody else should be dragging you along this race. And so don't be surprised if I ask that. And if you say, well, no, pastor, I don't do that. I'm going to say, well, I'm going to have to pray a little bit differently, sister or brother so-and-so, because you don't have faith. And God says, i got to pray the prayer of faith, and one of us in this room don't have it. Because if you can't trust God with 10% of 100, that gives you 90 left, and you really aren't living in faith. Faith is not living when I have everything in the bank and nothing is required of me. Faith is when I give it away and i got to trust God's going to provide it back. That's faith. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When I give it out, I'm in a, I've heard people say, well, Pastor, I don't get a return. It ain't about you getting a return. It's about giving it to God. But let me just tell you, when you give it to God, you do get a return. You do get, you're not sowing in bad soil. You're sowing in good soil. You know, people say, well, what are offerings then? Offerings is above. People say, oh, well, Pastor, I gave an offering to church. That's not your tithe, church. 10% belongs to God. Now, if you want to give 11%, then you gave a 1% offering unto the Lord. But the tithe and offerings are not the same thing. Tithes are required of God. Anything God's done above that, you want to do 10 or, I mean, 11 or 12 or 13 or 14, that's between you and God. But 10%, you and God owe that to each other. The reality of it is anything less than 10%, you're not tithing, you're tipping God. And you can say, you can write it down and say, I said it. Anything less than 10%, you're not tithing, you're tipping. You're just giving God a little, thank you for getting me out of jail. Thank you for this. Thank you. You're just giving him a tip. It's like God's a waiter or a waitress at the local restaurant. You're just tipping him for his service. You're not paying tithes, you're tipping him for his blessings. I remember going to a restaurant with a senior adult pastor one time. Service was horrible. Reverend George Alford, we sat in a restaurant together. Waitress had to be every French fry short of that Happy Meal. I mean, there wasn't even a fry in the box. I don't even think that she might have been the Happy Meal, but there wasn't a fry in the box. You talk about the sharpest knife in the drawer, she didn't even make a knife. She just was in, I don't even know if she made the drawer. I mean, she was bad. Everything. It was just horrible service. We get ready to leave. I pull out the wallet. Well, my family was with us. My dad was, we were all together. I was like 16, I think, at the time. He pulls out his money. My dad left a dollar. Brother Alford took that dollar, picked it up, handed it to the preacher. He said, don't you leave that on that table. And my dad said, no, Brother Alford, I, I got it, I got it, I got it. He said, no, no, I'll pay it. No, Brother Alford, you're our guest. We, we'll cover it. That's yeah. My dad, and Brother Alford said, no, sir. You put that dollar away. If that's the best you can do, and my dad said, oh, no, Brother Alford, I could, I could do more. No, it's not that. I just, you know, the service is horrible. He said, I'm not paying her for her service. I'm showing her the love of Jesus. My dad said, well, Brother Alford, I mean, she may not. He said, put your dollar away. He pulled out of his pocket a $20 bill and laid it on the table. The meal wasn't even $20. Well, his portion, the whole, you know, if you're doing it based on the restaurant, $20 was not the tip. We didn't have no $200 meal here, y'all. I think the whole bill was only like $34. So we paid almost as much tip. But offered had one shoe that was bigger than the other because he walked with a limp. One leg was shorter than the other. He drove a Mercedes that he wore with white gloves because he didn't want the oils of his skin to get on his steering wheel. I mean, this was a, wore a top hat better than Charlie Chaplin ever wore. I mean, he was pristine. Always in a black suit, black pants, white shirt, black tie. I mean, he looked like he was the chauffeur of, of, of the day. We get in the car, my dad said, Brother Alfred, $20, whatever he said, my bro- my dear brother. The fact that you would even leave a dollar on the table, number one, breaks my heart. Number two, it was disrespectful. Number three, uh, I-, I-, I can't eat with you out in public if you do that again. My dad said, do what? He said, see, what happens is you don't know where she's been. Maybe her husband just walked down to her this morning. Maybe her mind's not focused because she doesn't even know what to do next. Maybe she's got a crying sick baby at home that somebody's watching out for her to be able to provide and I'm the only thing that's going to help her put formula on the table or buy her groceries or whatever this week. He said, brother, I don't give to her because she's good. I give to her because God's been good to me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You can write this down. You can excommunicate me, whatever. If you go out to a restaurant with me 
and you talk about how bad the service is and you don't leave a tip, don't you ever invite me to go out and eat with you ever again because I will not go with you. I don't pay people for their service because they're good or bad. I pay, I give them a blessing because God's been good to me. And God knows my heart. I give because God's been good. Because there's been days I didn't deserve nothing. But God provided for me too. The reality of it is, we should teach, we don't we need to treat God the same way. We shouldn't come in on Sunday morning and just give God a five dollar bill when we know we've got five hundred dollars in the bank this week. Because five dollars don't mean a lot. We're tipping God. We should be trusting God because God's been good to us this week. Now you say, Well, Pastor, I don't pay weekly, I pay bi weekly, I pay monthly. However you figure it out, it's between you and God, but don't tip God. Give. And it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The Bible talks about God loves a cheerful giver. See, the church that we sit in today was not made possible by tips. It was made possible by the faithful giving of men and women. Some people would say, well, pastor, in the Old Testament, they gave fruits and vegetables. That's how they did wealth back then. They didn't do money. So in today's situation, you know, I heard one time a guy gave a church back in the early church days a cow. They sold the cow for $25 and put it in the church. You know, they took it to the Meemaw. If you want to bring us your pet cow, we'll take it down and get it. But right now, beef is pretty expensive. We'll go ahead and slaughter it for you and invest it in the church. I'm sure I can find somebody that can take care of that for me. We've got some processors in here that do, do meat. We'll figure out a way to get it done. The reality is we now work in a, a income is based on currency. Currency. So we have to trust it. The next thing I want to talk to you just briefly about is sometimes you have to invest your time. Pastor, I just don't have time. Well, we have time to do anything else we want to do. (laughs) Oh, sweet Jesus. Jesus and his whole earthly ministry and life on earth was investment, all about investments into the kingdom. He invested in 12 disciples. The apostle Paul invested in young Timothy. So the question begs to be asked, who are we investing in? Who are we spiritually discipling, mentoring, bringing up on our own? Who is the people like Brother Randy Erzberger? And I'm not saying he is, I'm just using examples. Who is, who's the next guy in line that he's training up to take his spot one day when, when time comes and he's not able to fulfill those obligations? Who's the next bass player at this church if Brother Dennis ever gets to the point he can't play? Who's the next guitars or, or brass or drummers in this church when time comes? Who are we investing in next? The next generation. I don't believe in that whole thing. People say, oh, that's the next generation. No, it's the now generation. Every generation should be preparing for the now. Because there, one day it won't be next, it'll be now. And so we got to prepare for them as if the day is coming and approaching. You see, we give an employer 40 hours a week of work and haven't seen the paycheck, believing that our employer is going to be an honest person and pay us for what we've done. There are 24 hours in a day. How much of that time do we invest in spiritual matters? We may not always see the investments at the moment, but are we still pouring in to the bank, if you will, of heaven for God to eventually cash it out? Prayer, studying the word, witnessing, encouraging others. What if we treated our jobs and employees, employers like we treat God with our time? Talent Let me give you some examples. What if we gave our employers the same things we give God? Let's start with some of the things we tell God. God, I'm not coming in today. I've made plans. I have ball games. 
I work, I work, six, I work four, five days a week. The only day that it worked out for me and my family to do anything was not on Saturday. It was on Sunday. I know Saturday is a free day too, but you know, little Johnny had to go here and little Sally had to go. So the only day we could have family day was on Sunday. Well, let me just help you as a good pastor. There's nothing better you can do as a family than to bring little Johnny and Sally to church with you. So stop making that your excuse for why you can't come. Boy, it got quiet. I told y'all this wasn't going to go well. I'm not coming. In. I'm not talking about you going on vacation here or there. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about when everything else becomes a priority but God, then don't get mad when God is not anywhere to be found sometimes. Or we say, I'm too tired. It's been a long week. I need some rest. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Calvary was getting tired and tiring too with that cross, but he still had to do it. I'll just leave it at that. We told our employer, oh, I'm coming in for a half a day, but I'm leaving a half a day no matter what's going on, and I'm not coming back. Yeah, we do that with God. Well, Pastor, I'll, I'll come and I'll be there for, you know, for part. And I'm not talking about if you have serious things. Don't, don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about if you have people at home or you work a job. That's not what I'm talking about. But people make excuses. Well, Pastor, I'll come to one of the services, but, you know, I got to get the boat out because I haven't taken it out all year. I need to make sure that the motor's still running. I hope that thing leaves you stranded and Cito has got a five-hour delay when you go. You tell me you're taking your boat out. I'm going to pray, God, let Cito be busy and let them sit out there and enjoy creation in the serene and silence of being miserable in the middle of the tail race. Not because I'm a jerk, but because people make excuses why they can't give God time. I'm not talking about, and then you're like, well, Pastor's on a witch hunt about Sunday night. And like, no, I'm on a witch hunt about people make excuses why they can't give God God time. God time. I read one time somebody said, Many of our people will be the last generation of their family who is a part of the body of Christ, known as the church. This person said, I wish and thought, I wish the thought was based upon the in, imminent return of Christ, but it's not. It's tied to the observation that while many of us were raised to love and cherish the body of Christ, we have for some reason not passed that same love of Christ to our next generation. We have spent time allowing them the opportunity to hear us discuss everything that's wrong with the church. The list is exhaustive, often fueled by secular critics, and sadly does contain some truth. However, often the list is merely based on personal preferences, poor displays of love within the body of Christ. We forgot to teach them that while the church is imperfect, the Lord's body and the Lord himself is perfect. Therefore, we should love through the error while we seek the perfection of Christ. There are things that we have taught them to love. We have taught them to love travel ball, weekend getaway, social acceptance at all costs, Instagram likes, TikTok followers, and the list of commitment goes on and on. In and of themselves, these things may have their place and in fact be harmless. However, when the commitment of these rivals, the commitment of Christ and his church, one has to wonder if we're not teaching a subtle form of idolatry. Then com completing the course, we release them to universities and colleges where Christian thought is absent and, and openly rejected by secular humanists. While alcohol and promiscuity are prevalent in front of them, many of them never return to the body of Christ. It is not because they're anti-church. They just never were taught to love God and His church and be a part of the family of God. Like the prodigal son... 
They have found that community outside the family of God and the tragedy often is we were the ones that introduced them to those communities. This is not to create guilt within parents or grandparents. Heaven knows they live with that as it is. Rather, it is simply to make us ask this question. Are we willing to be the last of our generation committed to serving Jesus Christ? Man, you couldn't have said it any better than that guy said it. Are you willing to be the last person in your family to sit in this church? When Brother Marion gets too old that he can't come to church, his time is no longer accessible, or he can't drive. I'm not saying he is it, but I'm saying, is he willing to be the last of his generation to still be a part of this church? When Brother Randy and Sister Carol and others of you that are maybe on the back end, you're not in the young adult age category, you're not in the senior adult, you're just kind of in that holding state. You're trying to decide which category you want to be in when you grow up. But I wonder if we all asked ourselves that, are we willing to be the last of our family to know Jesus? I'm not talking about just this church. I mean in general, to know Jesus. Are we willing to go out like that? You see, I can see that there will come a day, Miss Carol, as you make your way. I can see, I can easily see a day. I used to say I couldn't, but the more I am living and watching and observing, I could see this. In my lifetime, maybe not some of you in here, but in my lifetime, I could easily see a day, maybe five years or ten years down the road, where this church would not be able to have Sunday night worship because nobody's going to show up anymore. Hello? Am I preaching to myself today? I'm not saying it. Listen, I'm not here to make you feel guilty about Sunday night. I'm trying to tell you things. Slowly over time, things will fizzle out because there's not going to be a love for God and His people anymore. I could see a day where Sunday school will fall out. Because in the last days, the Bible said they will, they will raise up for themselves teachers with itching ears and turn their hearts to fables. They don't want to hear the truth of God's word. They want to feel good about themselves. So you'll have a bunch of churches that will go to 1030 services or 10 o'clock services, have two-hour worship experiences, as they call them. Uh, first of all, God is not a show where it should be a, worship should be an experience. It should be something that I've been doing before I got to church that morning. You can call it whatever you want to. But people will get out of Sunday school. And they, you know, some I know some people are going to small groups. That's great that that's how they're using for their discipleship. But I could easily see a day come where meeting together gets smaller and smaller and less frequent because the next generation doesn't have the same passion for Jesus like you do. Most of you that are in this congregation, whether you went to Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Wednesday... You were raised by families, or you've been exposed enough through families like grandparents, like Laura Mae Skipper and others, or maybe you yourself or that person. You have been around enough. You know that you love Jesus, and you know what loving Jesus means. What about your kid? You know, people like Sister Susie and Brother Paul. They raise their kids in church and ministry. That's wonderful. That's great. My parents did the same. Thank God Tyler's here today and with Carmen. And I, I want you to hear what I'm about to say and don't everybody throw your tomatoes at me. I'm almost finished. I'm not worried about Tyler right now. He's here right now and yeah, I'm still praying for him. I'm still believing God's going to keep him and sustain him. And he and Sister Carmen are going to have a great life and future and about 13 kids. They're going to be like Brady Bunches. They're just going to populate our nursery for us. I'm speaking prophetically right now. Just give them the spirit of 12, Lord. Just 
Let them come out in triplets. I don't care how it comes out. Sister, sister, I know Sister uh, Susie will love them all the same. Just give them all to her. She'll be fine. She'll, we'll rent them out from time to time if we need to. we got plenty of workers. Sister Susie's here and Brother Tyler and Sister Carmen's here. But I'm already in my mind, Sister Barnes, thinking, but what's going to be the story for Rowan? Because I'm 34. When Rowan's born, I'll still be 34. When Rowan's 30, I'll still be 34, plus some. You know, God willing. Yeah, I'm a whole... I'm going to find that fountain of youth that Ponce de Leon was looking for. I'm going to find it and drink all of it. But when Rowan's 30, that's going to put the pastor at 64. There's a strong possibility I'll still be alive. God willing. And if I'm still here, I want to see Rowan in church loving Jesus like his daddy and his mama are loving Jesus. I don't want Tyler and Carmen to be the last of their generation that knows Jesus. I want the generation to keep going. So people invested time. And the last thing is that people invested training. They gave back to Jesus. As we move forward, we must remember that we are on a journey. Who will take our place? The Apostle Paul said every member comes together. We have to train the next generation. Look, Brother Randy is a great guitar player and singer. Sister Jennifer, Brother Mike, all these people, they're phenomenal. They're not going to play and sing forever. We need people like Brantley who wants to learn how to play Learn it, boy, because I'm going to need a guitar player in the next 10 to 15 years. You better learn quick, son. Better start learning Amazing Grace and G. Capo. I don't care how you do it. Figure it out. we got to get this thing on the stage, son. We train them. Sister Sandy has been teaching children's ministry. There's going to come a day Sister Sandy's health ain't going to let her be the kid's Sunday school teacher and the children's church director. Somebody's going to have to love kids again. Sister Jeannie won't always be able to do kids and youth. Brother Randy won't always be doing youth and council members. Brother Stan, Brother Man, they always won't be have the health to do what they need to do for council members. Sister Brenda Frierson, who helps with our Christian education and things like the Sunday school department, she may not always be able to have the health to do that. Thank God she does now, but there may be a day somebody else has got to collect the books and the money. Sister Carol may not always be able to be the clerk or the church musician. Who's next? we got to be looking for the next. Not that we're trying to kick everybody else, but we can't let the church die while we just idly sit by. I read this, and then I'm done. I read this the other day, and it just, it like dinged in my head. It was called, If Everybody in Church Was Just Like Me. <laughs> Whoo, God bless them. Some of you probably are thinking the same thing about yourself, so don't get too excited. Here's what they wrote. I wonder what kind of church would my church be if every member were just like me? How many souls would get saved today if it completely depended on every word that I say? I wonder how many prayers the Lord would have to answer after all he's heard is my constant complaining and banter. What kind of church would my church be if everyone that came acted just like me? Now some of y'all might say, that'd be a good church. I'd go to that church. Can I just help you out? <laughs> if everybody in church were just like you, you might be the only one going to your church too because nobody else is coming. Amen? 
Yeah, you don't have to like it, but it's true. We can't put up with some people, but for so long. I can't put up with myself, but so long. I have to take vacation from myself. I leave myself in the chair and take my other self away and tell my other person, sit in the chair, I'll come back and get you later, and leave him there. I tell my wife, I have multiple personalities. I don't know which one I like yet. I'm still trying to find one that I like. And I still ain't found him yet, so y'all still work with the preacher. Let me say this, and we're in closing. I have, I have often had this idea. <laughs> I've not done it, church. I'm not going to do it. This is just one of those random thoughts that have crossed my mind. I've always wanted to just one Sunday morning not show up, not tell Brianna, not tell y'all. Brianna leaves for church, and I say, "Oh, the Lord, I'm just trying to finish up my sermon. You go ahead and go. I'll be there shortly." And just not show up. I can already see the anger in your eyes right now. And I would want for everybody to, during the band practice, Sunday school, with the pastor's coming, Brandon say, oh, he's on his way, whatever. And then around 11.15, I'm still not here. Everybody start asking Brother uh, brother Randy or Sister Carol, since they're my bosses, along with Brianna, where's the preacher? And for them to go, I don't know. I don't know. Was he not coming today? I don't know. Is he not going to be here to teach his class? I don't know. Is he not going to be here to play the piano? I don't know. Is he called somebody to preach? We have a guest speaker? I don't know. I'm going to pause right here. Um, when you don't tell us you're not coming, we don't know. So I don't know if I have to cover for your class because I don't know when you don't tell us you're not coming. Anyway. And I want Brianna to say I don't have a clue. And everybody to get in their cars thinking something major has happened to the preacher. They come flying to my house through through Cane Bay with blue light specials coming to rescue the preacher. Everybody's trying to console Brianna thinking maybe I've collapsed on the floor or I'm incapacitated. And they show up to my house ready to just, oh God, we're going to be believing for a miracle to find me sitting on the front porch in my rocking chair with a sweet tea in my hand eating my favorite snack and going, what y'all doing here? For all of you in your anger to look at me and go, what's wrong with you? Most of you be upset, ready to call the overseer. The reality is, how many people actually treat God like that? Church like that? And worshiping together like that? They, eh, I'll go today. Eh, I don't have to go today. It's all right. Pastor won't know. I mean, I'm sure five other people will go to church today, so what does it matter if I'm there or not? It matters because God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. It matters because God said it mattered. I didn't. God said it. And you go, well, why did you stay home? And I would always want to just say, well, I didn't know I was supposed to call and let anybody know. I thought I could just stay home today. You would be livid. You would be ready to kick me out of the church. But if we're not careful, that's sometimes how we treat God. We just, yeah, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't go. Who knows if I'll go. We must remember that while we are thankful for all of those that have paved the way for the last 29 years to lay this foundation on a Santee Circle Church of God, we cannot let it stop and die with those people that die out later in life. We must continue to invest in the future of this church with our tithes, with our time, and talents, and train people to keep moving this church forward. Any man that puts his hand to the plow but keeps doing this. 
is what? Not fit. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you today. First question I'm going to ask is, there's anybody here today, I always want to ask this, that you are not sure where you stand with Jesus Christ, I want you to just slip your hand up. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, if you don't know Him and you'd like to make a commitment to Jesus Christ today, I just want to give anybody the opportunity. We won't wait but for a moment. Are there any? All right. Those that are watching online, God bless you today. My second question is this. I wonder how many people would answer this question. Pastor, you can count on me to invest time.